Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you just for this time, Lord. We thank you just, we thank you for our brother Joey, Lord, and you saving him, giving him new life, Lord, opening his eyes, sanctifying him, cleansing him, Lord God, putting new thoughts in his mind, new new appetites, God, uh, thoughts of holiness and righteousness, Lord God. I thank you for just hearing him speak, Lord God, and what you're doing in him and his family, Lord God. Uh, we praise you for that, Lord, just to see this walking testimony of your goodness and your grace, God. Lord, we're praying right now as, that you open up your word, Lord God, illuminate the scriptures, Lord Jesus, from our brothers and sisters, God, to just get a better glimpse of you, Lord, to come closer to you, Lord, in particular today to love just more, of, to learn more of the love of Christ, Lord, to not just know it in the intellect, God, but to actually experience it and know it, God, to come, that it may come alive to them, Lord. So th that's my prayer, Lord, to do what you've been doing to me all week, God, giving me joy just by... Um, getting a deeper awareness and understanding of your love lord that is the prayer today in jesus name amen all right so we're we're tricking through uh ephesians chapter three and really we've been in paul's prayer for the ephesians right that's what he's been doing in chapter three uh, he's been praying for the ephesians and um last week or not last week last time i was up here we're in ephesians chapter three today um i'll let you know what we're going to look at we're going to look at just one verse Verse 19, channeling my, my inner, uh, what's his name, Pastor Brian? Martin Lloyd-Jones. There you go. I, I'm just, I just, I just admit, I'm, a, I, I'm just, that's who I am. I realize, man, just one verse, a few words. And so, um, yeah, so we'll be looking at one verse today. Uh, verse 19, we looked at verse 18 when I last was up here. So, it'll be really part two of the love of Christ, Paul's prayer. And part two of the love of Christ. And so, uh, when we last met, we talked about the love of Christ dimensionally. Do you guys remember that? In verse 18, where Paul was, was praying for uh, the Father to give us strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth, the height, the length, and the depth. Remember? The love of Christ. So, the last time I was up here, we were looking at the dimensions of Christ. The size of it, right? The scope of it how it's inexhaustible, how the, the love of Christ, you never reach the bottom, right? You can, you can never even reach the top. It's just so large. As soon as you think you, you have it, as soon as you think you, yes, I know the love of Christ, I fully have my arms around it, it, it gets bigger. It's kind of like, I use the analogy of walking into a room and you, you walk into a room that you've been into so many times and you look up and you say, whoa, did they raise the ceiling? Did, did these walls get taller? That, that's what happens with the love of Christ. It constantly grows as you begin to grow deeper in your love and your relationship with him. And you can never, ever reach the bottom of it because it's so large. It's so great. It is so grand, this, this love of Christ. And even though this, this love of Christ is something that we'll never fully be able to wrap our arms around, the paradox here in his prayer is that Paul is actually praying that we would comprehend it, that we would be able to seize it and wrap our hands around it. If you remember the, the Greek word that he's using there for comprehend is katalambano. Remember that is to seize it, right? To, to wrap your hands around it. And so Paul is praying this prayer, this paradoxical prayer, that we would be able to comprehend something that really that's uncomprehensible. That's, that's something that you can never fully grasp. And so that's what we looked at um, the prior week in verse 18. And today, the prayer petition will be a little bit different. Do I have everything on? Okay. It'll be a, a little bit different because 
Paul's prayer today is not so much intellectual comprehension, but his prayer is that the Ephesians would intimately, intimately know the love of Christ experientially, right? So he's moving from more of the intellect or more from the mind, more from the cognitive, if you will, of the love of Christ. And in verse 19, he's moving and praying that the Ephesians, that us Christians would come to experience the love of Christ, to intimately know it, not just know it in our mind, but have an actual interaction with this love of Christ. And so the word that he uses for this know is the word gnosko. So let me read verse 19 to you. But if I'm going to start over since I haven't been up here in two weeks, I'm going to just start at the beginning of this prayer and then we'll land at 19. So Paul says this. This is verse 14 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. He says this, and I'm coming out of the NASB. I know I normally have the, uh, in, um, I'm coming out the English translation. I normally have the NASB, but he, it reads this way. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all, with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So his prayer petition here in verse 19 is that the Ephesians, that us Christians, that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And the word know there in verse 19 is the Greek word gnosko. And this word know in the Greek, it, it means to, to know something, but it carries this meaning of to know something intimately, to know something experientially. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's also a word that's used to describe as a euphemism the intimacy between a husband and a wife, for example. That's, that's to know. So, for example, in the uh, Septuagint, in the Septuagint, this is just a Greek translation of the Old Testament. So they took all the Hebrew out and they translated it into Greek. So in the Septuagint, um, for example, in Genesis chapter 4-1, when the Bible says that Adam knew his wife Eve, it didn't mean that Adam was like, Eve, I know you. And Eve was like, yes, Adam, I know you. That, that, that's not what that meant. It meant that they knew each other. It's this word gnosko, that they, they knew each other, right? They had an intimate relationship and experience. And so again, this word know in verse 19 has been contrasted with Paul's earlier petition of 18, katalambano, which is to comprehend, which is more intellectual or cognitive, where here in verse 19, Paul is talking about an experience of the love of Christ, experiencing and knowing the love of Christ. So, there's two ways in that Paul is praying that these Ephesians would know the love of Christ. He's praying one, that they would comprehend, which leans more towards the mental aptitude or, or to understand it in the mind. And he's praying that they would gnosko, which leans more to the experience and the intimate understanding of the love of Christ. Now with these two teachings, it, it really should show us something here. What it should show us is that you need both, when it comes to the love of Christ, that you need both the intellectual, right? You need the cognitive or the mental understanding 
and you also need the experience and the emotion to to say it another way you need the reformed mind if you will or the reformed mind with its doctrines and its theology and guess what also the charismatic emotions and experience you see you need both of them and, and I know sometimes here like especially in, in the reformed community we can begin to look down really on some of the more charismatic churches that are filled with people jumping around and showing all of this emotion and yes some of those people are just running off a of pure emotion their emotion is not based on truth but then, then there are others who have that 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 perfect or sweet interaction of the cognitive understanding of the love of Christ that's interacting with the experience and it is causing them to, to lose their mind and to jump around in worship. And, and I know a brother like that. His name is Pastor Taylor. Um, I, I went to this Pentecostal church and, and this brother could preach. But you know also what would happen? I seen this man out of joy just walk around the church just shouting the name of Jesus. Why? Because yes, he had the cognitive understanding, but he also had the emotional experience or the encounter of the love of God or the love of Christ. And it caused him to move and to do all these different things in praise of his name. Now, what I'm not saying is that if you haven't jumped around and shouted, that means you haven't experienced that. No, that's not what I'm saying. We're all unique. We're all different. We have personalities that are different. But the point I'm making is that you can do that. You can shout, you can move, you can do all of these things when you fully have come into the knowledge of Christ, you have experientially met his love and it can really cause you to do some different things. So brothers and sisters, you, you, you can't be all head knowledge of the love of Christ. It's very good to know doctrine. It's very good to memorize scripture. But you also want to intimately know that scripture as well. Because I, I've interacted with people who have memorized a whole bunch of scripture, but they didn't know a lot of scripture. Again, I said they, they memorized a whole bunch of scripture, but they didn't know a lot of scripture. And, I, and I've even had a conversation with an individual that, I mean, this guy, ah, uh, uh, man, I'm, I was trying to be secretive. I said, guy, this person, knows a whole bunch of scripture and they told me I know a bunch of scripture but I don't know I like I don't fully understand it but I can quote it all to you um, so so th there's a difference my brothers and sisters from knowing about the love of Christ and actually knowing the love of Christ it's it's a major difference it's it I, I liken it to your wife telling you honey I love you to then the next morning you wake up and you smell chorizo cooking in the kitchen and, 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 you, and you smell those pancakes and now it's, you're going from this cognitive understanding of yes my wife loves me to now I'm experiencing this love you see by, by this chorizo smell or maybe it's just the way that, that she grabs your hand and she looks at you and, and it's going from this cognitive understanding that she loves me to now I know I've experienced that she, she truly does love me see that's that's the difference and this is what the Apostle Paul is praying he doesn't want Christians or people running around just with this cognitive understanding of the love of God who know how to follow just a bunch of rules we've seen that in the Bible we've seen Pharisees who who, who knew scripture who morally they, they look righteous but they never did know God so they just went around pointing fingers at everyone and Paul does not want that to happen he doesn't want a bunch of just religious people going around saying, I know Jesus, but he, he's praying for people to really come 
and have an intimate experience with the love of Christ. But sadly, I would say, in Christendom, this is where many people are in Christianity. They are at the intellectual stage and not even the supernatural intellectual stage that Paul mentions in verse 18, but just pure human knowledge of the love of Christ. Um, they, they know about the love of Christ, but they actually don't know the love of Christ. See, church, I could preach to I'm blue in the face here and, and tell you all about the love of Christ. I can spend all day giving you information, telling you about the love of Christ. But until that, that, that cognitive knowledge turns into an intimate knowledge, into an experience, you, you will never really understand, church, the love of Christ. So the question should be then, when we look at verse 19, how do I come to this intimate knowledge or experience, this gnosko of the love of Christ that Paul is praying about. How do I get this then? How do I come to really know this love of Jesus? Well, the short answer is you can't. You can't in, of, in and of yourself make this happen, which is why Paul is praying to the Father to do it. That's why he's praying. He's praying because we can't in and of ourselves come and just experientially meet and know the love of Christ. We can't just do it on our own. So Paul is praying to the Father that out of the riches of his glory that he would grant you this knowledge or this experience of the love of Christ. So it is truly a sovereign work of God. That's it. You can't make this happen. No matter how hard you try, you, you can't do it. As Joey said here, he says salvation is, it's what you say, miraculous or supernatural. I forgot the words you use, but you can't just make it happen. It's, it's a work of God. Now, our role in this, in, in, this, in this plan is to really just seek God in sincerity of heart with this petition. And to dig in it a little bit further, what I mean by this is you can't just go to the Lord and say, God, I just want a deeper relationship with you. I want to go deeper in the love of Christ. I want to intimately know it and have an experience. And then just never go to the Lord again. Never read your Bible. Never have any separate alone time with God. Um, miss fellowship with the saints. But then say, oh yeah, God, I, I want to have a deeper relationship with God. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. See, that's not a sincerity of heart. If you, if you really want to go deeper into this love of Christ, guess what? You have to make room for Christ. You have to take time for Christ and, and the sincerity of heart and going to the Lord with this petition. But if you're just saying this just one off, yeah, God, I want to go deeper into this love of Christ. I want to intimately know you and you're just saying it and it's not truly sincere, then Brothers and sisters, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to grow into this, this wild, this, this vast of love that is Jesus Christ. So our role is in sincerity of heart to go to the Lord with this petition. As Paul is doing right here. He's praying in sincerity of heart. Father, my brothers and sisters, these Ephesians, Lord, help them to come into the knowledge, um, to an intimate knowledge of the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge and all understanding. So he's going there with a sincerity of heart praying and interceding on their behalf, all right? Now, there is a person, I just want to bring this person out. There is a person in scripture that, um, whom God just seemed to pour out the love of Christ in him beyond measure. I mean, it was that Romans 5, 5, where the love of God is just poured out in his heart by the Holy Spirit, right? That's given to us. The love of God was so, the love of Christ was so poured out in this man that 
through the, his experience and interaction with the love of Christ, it, it just caused him to repeat this one phrase over and over and over again in his gospel. And this phrase is this, the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. If you do not know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Apostle John. The Apostle John. And, and in his gospel, he, he uses this phrase, um, or a variation of this phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved around five times. And let, let me just read them to you, what he says here. In John 21, 20, the scripture reads, Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved follow him. So he's talking about himself and he identifies himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. John 13, 23, there was reclining on Jesus's bosom, 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 one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John 19, 26, when Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. John 20, verse two, so he ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved. John 21 7 therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter so John is not a man that just knows the love of Christ intellectually or just cognitive cognitively no John is not just a man who have read about the love of Christ and who can quote scriptures about the love of Christ but John has come into an intimate knowledge and an experience of the love of Christ so much so that when he is penning his gospel about the life of Jesus some 50 years after his death the Holy Spirit is now allowing him to go back and to reflect on those little moments where he interacted with the love of Christ. That is, that's the beauty of what is happening here with John. John's gospel was one of, one of our later books. Again, this was, to take a conservative guess, this was probably around 50 plus years after Jesus has died. But now as he's writing his gospel, the Holy Spirit is allowing him to go back. And, and to remember those intimate times where he came into the contact of the love of Jesus. And now he's, he's beginning to really grab a hold of this love of Christ that he experienced years ago. The Holy Spirit is allowing him to go back in time and to, and to see Christ's love anew. And that's the beauty of what's happening here with John. John is able to go back and to visit this love of Christ this love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge and understanding. I love how Paul says that, that it surpasses knowledge. Think about this. Have you ever tried to explain the love of Christ, the love that you feel, the love that you feel from Christ to someone else? Have you ever tried to do that? Yeah. It's difficult, right? You can't explain it. That's exactly, thank you for giving that example. That's the point, what she said is exactly it. Why, because as Paul said, it goes beyond knowledge. There isn't words yet to really, to describe the love of Christ. You get tongue-tied when you try to describe it. It's like, it's like, man, you just don't get it. It's just, just Jesus, I just love him. He just loves me. I, I can't really explain it. It's not like the love you have for your wife, and it's not like the love you have for your kids, but it's just, you can't explain it. Why? Because this love really goes beyond all knowledge. That's what Paul says. It surpasses just knowledge. So there's not really words here to describe this love of Jesus, this love of Jesus. Now, I want to ask you this question, church, about the love of Christ. Do you remember your first time? 
when you met the love of Christ? Do you remember that? Do you remember that, 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 that first time where Christ's love became real? I mean, like, like, my, like Joey, I, I, I grew up hearing about the love of Christ, right? I grew up, I mean, I could quote the love of Christ. I can quote John 3.16 to you. But then there was a day when the intellectual understanding of the love of Christ took that long journey from my mind down to my heart and I went from religion to relationship with Jesus. Do you remember that day when, when the love of Christ became real to you when, you, when you knew it and it just grabbed a hold of your life? Uh, yesterday I was... I was um, preparing to go to, to the eye doctor and take Nehemiah to, to, to the batting cages. And as I'm getting ready, doing what I do, listening to Christian hip-hop. And, and as some of you don't know, um, I'm a Christian hip-hop fanatic. The biggest influence outside of the Bible in my life has been Christian hip-hop. So, so I'm, I'm listening to Christian hip-hop and the song came on by Show Baraka. And, and the song is called Higher Love. It goes, I'm in love. I'm in love, I'm in love with the higher love, higher love, right? And when I heard that song, I began to get goosebumps on my arm and I just broke down right there and began to cry because it was that when I was hearing that song, it took me back to when I first came or encountered the love of Jesus and how it, it, it grabbed a hold of me and how I was dead and, and I began to feel alive and I began to know what true love was and it just took me back there, church. Do you remember your time when the love of Jesus went from religion to a true, uh, a true, real relationship? Or really, you can even put yourself in the place of these Gentile Ephesians that the apostle was writing this letter to. Put yourself in the, in the place of a first century Gentile Ephesians who just had their first interaction with the love of Christ that, that passes all knowledge. Some of these Gentile Ephesians here, they grew up worshiping Diana. Right? They grew up worshiping Artemis. They grew up worshiping a statue. Guess what? Who can never love you. With Diana, you literally had cold heart, just religion. See, Diana did not know what it was like to be tempted yet without sin. See, Diana did not know what it feels like to be misunderstood or, and treated unjustly like many of the, the, um, the first century poor working class. See, but this, but this Jesus did. This Jesus knew the Ephesians. This Jesus could love the Ephesians in a way that Diana never could. So when the Holy Spirit came and began to pour the love of Christ inside of their heart to where they intimately knew it, oh, what a day. What a day it must have been for those Ephesians. And so that is Paul's prayer here in verse 19. He's praying to the Father, God, to give them more of that. Give them more of the love of Christ that they intimately know it and experience this love of Christ, which passes all knowledge and understanding. Now, when Paul is praying for them to know the love of Christ, what love do you think that Paul has in mind here when he's saying I, he's praying that the Ephesians would know the love of Christ? Does he have in mind the, the love of Christ at the cross and his sufferings and, and, and Christ leaving glory, leaving the presence of the Father and the worship of angels and coming to die for us? I would say yes, primarily it is the cross. It is the gospel that Paul is praying that the Ephesians would get a greater understanding of. But guess what? It also extends beyond the cross. 
and, and I really want us to look at Psalms 136 to help us here. So remember, we, we started off by reading Psalms 136, right? And, and we, we looked at Psalms 136, and, and, and the psalmist in Psalms 136 is, is definitely a person who, by the grace of God, has had an intimate experience and knowledge of God. Because when you write 26 straight poetic verses about the love of God, you have not just intellectually known the love of God, but you are a person who has come in contact with it and who has experientially known it. The Holy Spirit has brought it close. And so when you look at the psalmist, just think about in Psalms 136, look about some of the stuff that he, he mentions. Again, he mentions the creation of the universe, right? He's talking about how God has created the heavens and the stars, and he connects God's creation of the universe with his love and his love for him. So the psalmist looks up and he sees the stars, he sees the moon, and he sees creation, and he says, God, your, your steadfast love endures forever. See, he is experiencing or meeting God's love love through creation. So can you imagine being this psalmist, right? And every time a ray of sun hits your face, it is like God touching you and saying, my steadfast love endures forever. And every time you hear the ocean roar, you hear my steadfast love endures forever. And every time you see night going into day, it's my steadfast love endures forever. And when you see that crop sprouting out of the ground to give you food, it's God saying, my steadfast love endures forever. So he's able to look at around at everything and see the love of God. And that should be you right now as you see these beautiful plants. That should be you as you feel the sun touching your face. It's God touching you saying, my steadfast love endures forever. Church, I, got, I have a question for you. When you go out and you look at nature, do you feel loved like God, by God like the psalmist does? When you see a beautiful sunset, do you end by saying his steadfast love endures forever? See, that's, that's what the psalmist was doing. And then he goes from creation in Psalms 136, and then he moves again to, to God's, he begins to recall God's faithfulness to Israel and how God gave them victory over their enemies. So he begins to see God's love and the victory that enemy has over the pharaohs and over the kings. And guess what? Christ has given you victory over sin, right? Christ has given you victory over your enemy. See, th those are, are places where you can begin to dig down and see the, the love of Christ, just like this psalmist was doing. He was going back and remembering how God brought Israel through the Red Sea and, and through the wilderness, and, and, and he's saying, whoa, this is the love of God. See, the, the point that I'm trying to make, or the, the issue that I really want to drill down here is that when you go to your knees and you pray to the Father for intimate knowledge and experience of the love of Christ, yes, I want you to first think cross, but do not only think about the love of Jesus in 33 AD, but also think about the love of Jesus in 2021, and also think about the love of Jesus in the early 2000s when he kept you, and also think about the love of Jesus in the 1990s, and also think about the love of Jesus in the 1970s for some of you, or even when you, when you didn't even know Christ and he was loving you. See, there, there are times when the Holy Spirit will allow me to go back in time, I always share this, will allow me to go back in time to see how dead in sin I really was.
how God took me out of the world and how, how he kept me and how he loved me and how I could have been dead and gone, how I could have been in prison for the rest of my life, how I could have had a, a rap sheet one mile long, yet Christ loved me. And he kept me even when I didn't see it, even when I didn't even know that his eye was upon me, his love was still holding me and gripping me. And, and it kind of reminds me of Nathaniel, the call of Nathaniel. Do you remember the call of Nathaniel? In the book of John, in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 43 to 50, write it down and read it later. Read it later. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse 43 to 50, Jesus finds Philip, right? He finds Philip, and he gives Philip the, the call, right? He says to Philip, come and follow me. And that's what a first century rabbi would do to a person who's going to disciple. He would say, come and follow me. So he, he tells Philip to come and follow me, and then um, to be my disciple. And then the text says that Philip later goes and he finds Nathaniel, right? And then he, he tells Nathaniel that we have found the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about, right? And, and when Nathaniel meets Jesus, I love this part. When Nathaniel meets Jesus, you, you know what Jesus tells Nathaniel? He tells him that I saw you even before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree. He says, Nathaniel, I saw you even before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree. See, Jesus had seen Nathaniel. Jesus had his eye on Nathaniel. Guess what? Way before Nathaniel even knew it. Way before he even knew it. He says, Nathaniel, you were under the fig tree. I don't know what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. I don't know if at that time he was calling out to God. I don't know if he was under the fig tree and he was depressed. I don't know if he was under the fig tree and he was suicidal. But Jesus and his, his omniscience, he seen him. He knew him. And he says, I seen you before Philip even called you. And I love it because that's just like the love of God. It's the same thing. His eye, the eye of his love was upon us, was upon me. Guess what? Before we even knew it, when you were still so dead in your sin, that eye of love was upon you before you even could grasp it, before you can understand who, who Jesus was, that eye was upon you. Or as, as, the, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, that love has been upon you from the foundations of the world, those whom he has called unto himself. So, so that same love, that I, when I didn't even know that Jesus was looking at me, it was upon me way back when. So we're not just praying and for God to give us a deeper understanding of the cross, but throughout all of our life, our past, our future, our present, Father, help me to experience the love of Christ in all of those ways, backwards and forwards. The love of Christ, Father, open up my heart so I can go to a deep experience and knowledge of it. And finally, we come to the finale of this prayer. Well, not the finale of the prayer, but the finale of the petition. Uh, the wind blew my pages away. We're Paul's petition on the be, uh, behalf of the Ephesians. So we're coming to the finale of the petitions, but not the prayer. Because here in verse 19, Paul is next praying that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, right? So we're getting to the finale of this prayer. Now, before we get to this next portion, let's back up and let's look at all the, the triggering events that caused Paul to offer up these petitions. 
Remember, the reason why Paul even started this prayer in chapter 3 was because of discouragement. Remember, remember the Ephesians had seen Paul with his sufferings, the sufferings that Paul was enduring for the sake of the gospel, and they were getting a little bit thrown off by it. They were being discouraged by it. So Paul begins to pray for them, and Paul's solution for that discouragement is ultimately the fullness of God. And the reason I say that is because all of these prayer petitions that Paul is making here in chapter 3, they all are leading and they're pointing to one thing, and that is the fullness of God. So when you go back, you look at Paul's prayers, you look at the first petition. The first petition was one, he was praying that the, these Ephesians would be strengthened in their inner person so that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. So that was his first petition in, in chapter 3. And then next, Paul goes and he prays that God would give them the ability to comprehend the dimensions of his love. That was the second petition. And then the third petition, which we're looking at today, he's praying that God would give them the, the ability to experience and know the love of Christ. So think about this. So Paul is praying for the inner person to be strengthened, supernaturally strong, so that Christ may dwell in their heart by faith. He's also praying for supernatural strength to be given to them so that they can comprehend our catalambano, the dimensions of love. He's also praying for supernatural strength to be given to them so that they will be experientially or intimately coming into contact with the love of Christ. All of that equals the fullness of God dwelling into them richly. See, all of that, that prayer petition that he's praying here in chapter 3, it's all leading to this one sentence here, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what all those things are leading to. Christ dwelling in our hearts, him strengthening the inner person, Christ helping us to get our arms around the love of Christ, Christ bringing us into an intimate knowledge and experience of Christ, all that equals or equates to being filled filled with the fullness of God. And that's where he's ultimately landing. That's where he's ultimately pointing when he's talking about or when he's dealing with the Ephesians having this discouragement because of Paul's um, uh, uh, struggles of the gospel. He's leading saying, okay, you have this struggle. You're feeling discouraged because I'm taking on this suffering. You're wondering if this suffering is going to come on you. My solution to that is praying to the Father and praying that you will ultimately be filled with the fullness of God because that will allow you to overcome this discouragement that you're dealing with. See, I love how the, the, the Amplified Bible, matter of fact, how it, how it defines what this fullness looks like. Let, let me give you the de definition that it uses for this fullness here in the, the la latter part of verse 19, where Paul says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is how the, the Amplified Bible is defining this. It says that you may have the richest measure of divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. See, that's the fullness that Paul is getting at he that here. That you may be flooded, that you may be full, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence himself. And it starts with God strengthening your inner person so Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. It's next, God giving you the ability to Catalambano, Christ's love. It's next, God giving you the ability to experience Christ's love, thus equating the fullness of God, you having the fullness of divine presence dwelling into you bodily. That's what Paul is praying for, church. He's praying that we can have, we can have the fullness of God dwelling in us bodily. That is a big deal. The world can have this. God dwelling you bodily, the fullness of God. That is something huge. They're going to win, Pastor Brian. <laughs> it's, 
It's a big deal what Paul is praying here. It's something that we as believers have the ability to get. God dwelling in you in fullness, the fullness of divine power of God being in you. That's Paul's ultimate request for believers. He wants that fullness of God. Because see, it's in this fullness, guess what? It's in this fullness that you go to that, that, that shelter that you've been talking about going to and you have the gumption to not, now actually go. See, it, it's in this fullness that missionary applications are submitted. See, it's, it's in this fullness that churches are planted. See, it, it's in this fullness that a husband or wife saying, I'm not going to throw the, the towel in on my marriage, but I'm, I'm going to continue to fight for this thing. It is, it is in this fullness that nonprofits are started in Jesus' name. It is in this fullness that that first chapter of that Christian book that you're to write is written. See, it is when you are in this fullness, when you have the fullness of God in you, that's when you begin to walk and courage and do mighty things in the name of Jesus. See, it is this place, this fullness. And that is what Paul is praying for. He's praying for these Ephesians to have the full divine presence dwelling in them bodily. So the inner person being strong, Christ in our heart dwelling by faith, supernatural power to comprehend and know the love of Christ equals the fullness of divine power flowing in and through your body. Church, this should be our prayer. This should be our prayer, what Paul is praying here for these Ephesians. This should be the prayer that you go to your knees at night saying, God, bring me closer into the love of Christ. And not only just praying for yourself, but as Paul is doing, Paul is interceding for other Christians. So this is the prayer you want to be praying for your other brothers and sisters in Christ. When somebody's saying, pray for me, this is what you want to be praying, what Paul is doing right here for these Ephesians. You want to be praying these, these three prayer petitions that he's praying right here for the Ephesians. Praying that God help my brother and sister to be strengthened in their inner person that, so that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. Heavenly Father, help my brother or sister be able to cut to Lombardo and, and fully comprehend the love of Christ. Father, help my brother or sister grow into the intimate knowledge and experience of the love of Christ so that you may dwell in them in fullness. That should be the prayer that you should be praying for other saints church and especially right now in this fallen world where things are going crazy this is the prayer we want to be praying for one another fullness of God so let's pray the scriptures let's pray like Paul is praying church pray this for your brothers and sisters let this be your heart's desire to the Lord I want more of the love of Christ let that be a prayer request amen Amen. Let us, let us go into prayer. Heavenly Father, you are good, God. Oh, Lord, I can hear your creation sing, the birds chirping, Lord God. You made them, Lord. It's a beautiful melody. God, you said that we are more valuable than these birds and sparrows. And even these beautiful bushes that have these beautiful flowers that look so magnificent we're more valuable than them as well because they'll be thrown later and thrown into the fire god you've loved us lord we thank you lord why you love us so it goes beyond our mind lord so god my prayer lord is what paul prayed for these ephesians lord god for my brothers and sisters here lord 
Help them to be strengthened internally, Lord. Christ, take up residence in their hearts, Lord. Father, bring them to a deeper understanding of how big your love is, the love of your son, Lord. Help them to know your love experientially, Lord, intimately, Gnosko, Father. Bring them deeper into yourself, Lord. May your fullness rest in them, Lord, that they may do mighty things in your name for your glory, God. Hear our prayer, Lord God. Bless your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.